This is the podcast for RUF at Wake Forest. RUF exists for the convinced and the unconvinced, the lost and the found, the burned and the bored, the cynical and the spiritual. Whoever you are and whatever your story, RUF exists for you. For more information, check out our Instagram at RUF Wake Forest. Now, here's today's teaching. This is God's word for us tonight. It is trustworthy and true, and it is given to us in love. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 20. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you recognize them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so we've made it through. We're, we're at the end of the greatest sermon ever given. And where are we at? Jesus just spent two chapters talking about all these Christian ethics. He's been giving all these you know, kingdom principles. And he's been telling these Jews, this is how you love God. You've been doing it wrong. Moses told you, and you just didn't get it. And I'm here, I'm here to show you. And I still imagine uh, a Jew far in the back getting cocky. And he's saying... Man, I hope someone's writing all this stuff down because I'm about to do all of it. You know, like, they're like, oh, like, Jesus, I got you, man. I got you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This is not for you. This is for God. This is for his sake. This sermon, these scriptures that you know, it's all for and about him. And the whole Bible is just a series of proofs of God's faithfulness to us. And it's, it doesn't work the other way around. And finally, Jesus is here and he's telling it how it is. And so he's giving us this model of kingdom principles. Uh, it's like this stew of variables, all these ethics. But now we've reached this climax where now he's asking this really big question. And it's really challenging because he says, what's it gonna be? The kingdom of God or the empire of Satan? And he presents this in, in this series of twos. And tonight we're going to talk about two, two of those things in the series. The roads and the teachers. Um, so let's start off with the roads. And before we jump into the easy versus the hard, um, let's think about this idea. Jesus is only giving us two options here. So he's insinuating that everyone is on a spiritual journey. Whether you say you're a Christian or not, he's saying everyone's on this path and he's preparing to die. They don't know this yet, but he is saying, I'm coming to save you. And there's only one way to get to life. And that's through me. And so think about it this way. He's saying that there's no neutrality. You know, you're you're either for me or against me. And so some people hear this and they say, well, you know, that's intolerant. You, you know, there's, there's definitely more than one way 
Um, I certainly know my way is different. You know, I know you're a Christian. I respect that. But think, think about this analogy. There's two children in the street and they're playing and this car comes speeding in. And one of the children pushes the other child out of the way and dies. And they totally saved the life of this other child. And then that child who was saved goes to the father of the dead child and says, I am I'm so grateful that your son saved me. Thank you so much uh, for raising such a, you know, a kind, uh, loving child. But, you know, I, I just wanted to come over here and say, I don't really think he had to die. Like, I think I would have been all right without him. You like, you feel how like icky that is? It's like, uh, he didn't really have to do this. I mean, smack a Jesus in the face. And so there's a reason that Jesus is being very dichotomous here. He's saying that there are only two paths and they lead to two very distinct destinations, life and destruction. And it's only through me that you can get to life. And so the question he's begging is, what path are you really on or what are you really worshiping? So let's start off with the easy road. in, In verse 13, we see that there are a lot of people on this route. It says, by, by this way, many take. Well, this insinuates that this is the default. The easy way is our default. And David Foster Wallace has a really uh, helpful illustration here in his commencement speech, um, This is Water. He opens with this paradigm where he says, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit. And then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? And it's funny because David Foster Wallace had no idea of the, the elusive Christian imagery here. Because the rest of his speech goes on to talk about liberal arts education. And he talks about the point of that. And he says it's, the, the goal is to learn how to think. And he says, there is no such thing as not worshiping. The only choice we get is what to worship. So think about this. If you, if you worship money, you're never going to have enough. If you worship your body, you're going to die a million little deaths as you age. Worship your intellect, and you're always going to feel stupid, like a fraud who's on the verge of being found out. And he says that the scariest thing about all of these things is not that they're sinful or bad in the, of themselves, but that they are the default setting. We worship something. We, we are, everyone worships something. And he says that the only trick to getting away from it all is to keep the truth up front daily. And for us as a Christian, Jesus is saying, that truth is, I worship Jesus. So here we have it. Jesus told us first in this road analogy, you either worship me or you worship literally anything else. You're either on the wide path or the narrow path. So consider the fish story. Jesus is asking, which fish are you? Are you the older fish that sees what's around him? Or are you that confused fish that's asking, what the hell is water? So which is it? Think, think of the Jews listening to, this, listening to this. This is probably the first time that they have to reconcile this question in their life. Because the Jews grew up believing that they're the chosen people. So it's, you know... I, yeah, I mean, I mess up, but it doesn't really matter what I do because I'm chosen. And, and Jesus is saying, at the core, 
Are you living for yourself or are you living for God? Are you devoted to living the upside down, avant-garde lifestyle of following, Je- of following me where I lead you? Or are you forging your own path, going where you want, where it feels good? Are you following the world's current or are you trusting God to let you move against it? So I like to, I like to think of this um, with Finn, if you've seen the new Star Wars the newest trilogy opens up with this, this shot. We're in this, we're in this ship, and it lands, and there are all these stormtroopers, and they work for the evil empire. We know that because there are six movies before. But they land, and the stormtroopers roll out, and they all get in the line, and they're conquesting this village. And they came to get something. They're trying to uh, uh, find somebody who's hiding in this village. But the first command is kill everyone. So you see this, long, this shot. You have all these stormtroopers and they're lined up and they're all just shooting. And they're killing all these innocent uh, people or creatures or whatever planet they're on. And the camera zooms in on this one stormtrooper who's looking around. And you can see he's not even shooting his gun. He's like lowering it down. And he's looking around. and He's looking left and right. And you can just feel him thinking, like, I'm seeing this for the first time. Something's been wrong all along. And soon after this scene, he ends up saving this good guy. He breaks out and he goes to this guy. He says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I got to get out of here because I got to fight. all. There's just so much injustice that I've been a part of. And I got to get out of here. There's something fishy. And he ends up joining the rebellion. And Jesus is asking you here to open your eyes, see what's around you. Join his active resistance against the empire on this narrow path. So we, we talked about the easy road. Well, what about the hard road? Well, he calls it narrow. So it's, it's juxtaposed with the easy road because it's cramped. It's narrow. It's tight. It's squeezed. And this isn't because of the small number of people on the path. That's not what he's saying. This isn't giving us a number of who, who's going to heaven. He's saying, because it's only me. It's narrow because it's narrow-minded. It's only me. There's one, one way. And so now we've reached this important point of the model because Jesus is warning them. These Jews listening, he's saying, there are godly people on both paths. And so you're, you're probably hearing me like, well, they can't both be godly. Jesus is saying that the point of this is not that there are Christians lined up on the narrow path and all the, the atheists are on the easy road or the, the secularists. He's not saying uh, good people over here and bad people over here. This model is giving us a distinction between two parties that look the same. So if you're not a Christian hearing this, like kind of in a weird way, this should be reassuring. It's kind of like Jesus is putting his arm around you and he's going, look, like, look out. Look, OK, I know you've had some bad experiences Look at all these Christians. I know, I know. I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of the stuff that's going on. I know you thought it was weird, whatever. But he's saying, look at this crowd of people. They all claim to be Christian. But he's saying, some of them I know, and some of them I don't. And so now it's like getting kind of sticky because it's like, oh no, Dakota's going to start, you know, telling who's who. Who's on the path? But honestly, Tim Keller has a good distinction here. 
So we're saying that there are Christians on both paths, but are they really? So there's these two people, the first person, the first person who claims to be a Christian, they say, well, if you give God a good record, well, then he's going to bless you. Like, uh, do good things and you're on the good list. And then you have this second person over here that says, the gospel is God giving me a perfect record through Jesus. And because of that, I am totally loved, totally delighted in, totally adopted as a son of the king or a daughter of the king. And for the rest of my life, I'm living for him. So do you hear the difference here? On the outside, these two people look exactly the same. They both do good things. Maybe they, they, they look nice. They pray. They follow the Ten Commandments. They give to the poor. But for two totally different reasons. There, these are two operating systems that are telling you two very different ways to look at life and to look at yourself. And they lead to two very different results. So think about the shape of this path. Like Tolkien for sure knew what he was doing when he, when he wrote Lord of the Rings and he writes the story of the hobbits. I mean, he doesn't just send them to Mount Doom, throw the ring in the lava and the movie's over. I mean, the whole, all three books are about the hobbits taking this very cramped, squeezed path. They're always dodging danger. They, they have to dodge the giant spider and these fortresses. And ultimately, that squeezing, I mean, it almost killed them over and over and over again. They're getting beaten down. But that was the path that led to life. It was the path that led to the defeat of Mordor. The, the empire is no more and goodness is restored. So maybe you're hearing me and you're thinking, well, okay, I'm on board. I, I want to be on the narrow path, Dakota. But you keep talking about how hard it is. Like it's so squeezed. If it's so tight, well, then I can't do it. Or why, why? Like, why should I try? Well, I mean, Jesus is calling it hard because these are not our default settings. Like, I ultimately want to worship me. Like, these kingdom principles that he just spent two chapters listing, they're hard because they're impossible. Like, he just said, uh, I know you, maybe you haven't killed anybody, but you can't be angry with them. It's like, I'm angry every day. <laughs> like, these things are only accomplished through him. That's the point. He's saying, like, you can't uphold these things. And another reason I know that this, this is challenging is because after every sermon, after every large group, you know, I hear people talk about uh, how they're going to commit themselves to change. Oh, I'm so convicted by that sermon. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to start spending more time with oppressed people or, you know, I don't, I'm not generous enough. I need to give. I need to give more. I'm too materialistic. Or uh, I'm too contentious with people I disagree with. I need to be a peacemaker. Well, like, if it's not hard, then why are all these people constantly making these resolutions? Jesus is asking us to hold attention between the difficulty of the path and the goodness that it, it produces. These things are really hard. But he's telling you that this, the hard stuff, that is honest worship and it's for God. It's not for you. That's why it's hard. And so the first point here is take the narrow path. You know, this isn't like a super obvious command uh, in the model, but it's, he, he's wanting you to think, well, which path am I on? He's saying, come to the narrow path because you can't trick me. 
Like God is, he's not deceived by your good works. And recently in one of my RUF trainings, someone said, you know, it's funny. It's almost like the guy who wrote this book, the Bible knows how our brains work. Well, yeah, like he knows us. Like he knows how you work. He's not, he's not fooled. He designed you. He died for you so that you could be with him forever. And this is the path that leads to life. Jesus, and he's not being harsh here. Please, like, please hear me. Like, he's being firm. He has to draw a line and say, you're for me or against me. I've come to save you from yourselves because you, by nature, are destructive. So let me save you. I love you. So this is all in love. I know this, it all sounds very judgmental and hard and weird, but so we've talked about the roads. Now, what about these trees? There's two trees, uh, the good tree and the bad tree. But he starts off with be wary, beware of false teachers. And what does he call them? He calls them ravenous wolves. So what does a wolf do? John Stott uh, is this theologian dude who uh, helps me out here. He, he basically talked about how wolves are people who use Christ's name for gain. So here, here are a few examples of things that wolves do. First, they deny God as being both righteous, a righteous judge, and loving and merciful. So they usually invest in one or the other. Usually they're going to cut off the judgment part because it's easier to sell. Oh, like, God is love. God is love. But, you know, don't talk about the judgment part. It's too scary. Another thing they do is that they fill people with vain hopes. So this is, this is uh, a wolf is using this. They're basically saying that the gospel is a bunch of tricks. You know, it's like, this is how you get a successful life. And they use phrases like, uh, this, is how you be, this is how you become happy. And finally, they give you a false sense of security. So they put peace band-aids on things that don't actually have peace. So like, I mean, consider someone going through a, a heavy emotional divorce. Like, there's no peace about that. But they'd say, ah, don't worry about it. Like, I mean, you know, your spouse, they're the one that, they're the one that messed up. We're going to kick them out of the church. Don't worry about it. You're good. Don't worry. They don't know how to mourn. So think about, here's the, this is the message version, uh, a different translation of the Bible. Um, and I think it's just, it's really helpful. The phrasing of this is super interesting. And so verses 15 through 20, if you're looking at it, this is what the message version says. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they're out to rip you off some way or other. So don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. So kind of creepy. Hold that in the back of your mind. And then listen to this. There's this personality disorder called antisocial personality disorder. And it's basically uh, the diagnosis that every serial killer gets diagnosed with retroactively. Because it's hard to spot them. And these are, this is, these are the symptoms of this disorder. A disregard for right and wrong. Persistent lying or deceit to exploit others. Using charm or wit to manipulate others for personal gain or personal pleasure. 
arrogance, a sense of superiority and being extremely opinionated, poor or abusive relationships. Like, those kind of sound like the same thing. Like, Jesus is saying that, like, he's saying that ravenous wolves are these false teachers and it's almost by definition as equally dangerous as our definition of a serial killer. Like, they're both manipulative. And Jesus is saying that the ravenous wolves are people with ulterior motives. They're not actually working for the kingdom of God. They're working for themselves. And they're scary good at charming you and deceiving you. So what does he say to do? He says, look at their fruit, their character, not their words, because they're going to talk around you forever. And so it's actually kind of funny. Uh, Paul in, I mean, in the Bible, he had to deal with this with the Corinthians. So in 2 Corinthians 11, we already know that Paul started, he started the Corinthian church and they communicate through letters. And after the first letter, he finds out that there's this new group of pastors in town and they're pretty. And they come into Corinth and they start charging the church money and they start telling them Paul is a loser. And Paul's not there. Paul's not there to defend himself. But they write to him and there's... They start saying, uh, Paul, like, I mean, these guys are starting to confuse us. They're saying that you are not an expert on scripture or and that you don't really know Jesus and that you're a bum because you don't have money or an impressive job and you're always in jail. <laughs> and like on the outside, it's like ah, maybe they got a point. But Paul, li- listen to Paul's response. I mean, in a hilarious way, he I mean, he calls them super apostles. He's being, he's being sarcastic, but then he kind of tenderly responds with, okay, first of all, of course I know scripture. I was a Pharisee. Like before I was even a Christian, I knew the Bible back to front. And then he says, did I know Jesus? Yeah, like I actually hung out with him physically. Like I saw him, I talked to him. Third, uh, I'm a bum because I don't have money. Uh, like, did I, have I ever asked you for money? No. Like, I worked a manual labor job so that I could eat food to live and be generous. Like, money means nothing to me. And if you truly question my love for you, well, then why did I start your church? Like, I brought your church together in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Paul. And, like, on top of all this, Paul's saying, like, I, like I'm doing this, I'm saying all this stuff to teach you. I don't even, I don't even boast in all this stuff. Like, like... These guys are boasting about how great they are. Like, I don't, I'm not even boasting about this. I'm, I only boast in my weakness. Like, my dependence is totally on Jesus. So, wolves are essentially, not to, get, not to get you confused with these different analogies, but in a way, wolves are, are muddling the entrance to the narrow gate. So, outcast, I love outcast. They just put out the 20th anniversary uh, edition, deluxe edition of Stankonia. And the first song on it is Gasoline Dreams. And he says, Andre 3000 says, the highway up to heaven got a crook on the toll. Youth full of fire ain't got nowhere to go. So when Outcast actually, when they came into existence from Atlanta, they're bringing the Southern voice into this East-West rap game. So we got Tupac and Biggie, and they come in, and what do they bring with them? Well, what, what's the South known for? Bible Belt. And they're saying, there's this wide road Christianity down here, 
and it's part of our lives and we smell something, something's messed up and there's a bunch of corruption in the church and it's holding us back. And the wolf is a crook at the toll booth. The wolves, they're demanding that we pay up to access Jesus. Whether it's money or deeds or whatever, it's like Jesus is standing on the narrow path saying like, come this way. And the crooks are standing nearby and they're going, no, 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 you don't. You, you got to come through me. And why? Like, why, why do they want you off the narrow path? Because if you actually started doing these kingdom principles, if you actually trusted Jesus, well, the wolves aren't going to get their cut. Like, they're not going to get their cut of the glory. Like, that's my, that's my glory. It's not God's. And so the most practical example of uh, everyone I talked to about this pastors, the, the first thing they said was, oh, man, this is prosperity gospel. And so if you, if you don't know what that is, it's like this, this belief that they claim to be Christian and they say that if you donate, if you give money, it's going to lead to uh, this hyper physical well-being and you're going to be rich and you're going to be happy. Well, think about when quarantine started. COVID hits. There's like this people are like starting to think about suffering for the first time in their lives and what do they do? They Google church. And what do they find? These live streams of these, these big mega church prosperity gospel places. And it's got millions and millions of people watching it live. And they think, okay, well, I, I guess this is Christianity. And my challenge is like thinking about th- that, that place. Like, are these not like the ravenous wolves? Like their exterior checks out. They say they're Christian, they pray, they, they, do, they do good stuff. I mean, for sure, probably. They probably post videos about them doing it on YouTube. But what is their promise? It's a good life. God's going to bless you, but only if you donate. So if the exterior checks out, think about the character. You know, I, I hear these stories about these pastors. They have $100 million homes. They buy helicopters with the church's money. I mean... Recently, someone got caught trying to pay a hitman to kill his wife. I mean, it's, it's wildly corrupt. But people don't see that because it's, it's behind the scenes. It's the character. It's the fruit. But what happens when these wolves get caught? You know, people start having these awakenings. And they realize, I've been deceived. And sometimes for a very long time. And Jesus is looking at those awakened people. And he's saying, this, that was never for me. Come to me down this much harder path because I want you so badly. Like, I died for you. I thought of you when I was hanging on the cross. So he's saying, there are, these are the bad trees. Please see these bad trees. And there are good trees. And where do we find them? Well, the answer is, I mean, look at this sermon. Did you listen to this sermon? Go to, the, go to the beginning. Like, the good teachers are teaching these things and they're, they're doing like they're trusting, they're trusting Jesus and Jesus is working through them. We sang that tonight. Yet not I, but Christ through me. Like Jesus is saying, look at all these things I'm teaching the Sermon on the Mount. I never told you that being a Christian was easy. I never promised you wealth or fame or feeling good. Like I told you to love me and to keep your eyes on me and to love people. And all this stuff that we're talking about, it's not for you. It is to glorify me. So what are some good trees? Well, a vulnerable church. Have you ever been to one? 
a transparent church, a place that isn't trying to take your money, where, yeah, they have tithing, but it's ethical, and they don't pressure you. And if you were to ask them, well, can I see a copy of the financial report? What do you spend your money on? They'd go straight to the printer. They'd print it off. They'd show you, this is what we do. It's a place that's generous to you and to the least of these, the oppressed. It's a place where the leadership isn't hierarchical. They're not superior, like looking down on you or like commanding better of you. They're just boasting in their weakness and like praying sincerely. And they believe Jesus is the answer. They're the narrow path. That's what the church is on. And hopefully, I mean, we pray that RUF is a good tree. Like, I hope, I hope you think that. And I hope you have friends that are committed to the narrow path. Like, if you feel like so gung-ho, like, oh, I'm for sure on this narrow path. Well, like, I hope you have friends that you can lean on who do that. I mean, tonight, today, I had uh, so many friends text me to encourage me. You know, praying for you for this sermon. Like, those people are definitely on the narrow path. They're, I mean, they're committed to me. Like, anyway, I could go on about friends. But, um, so wrapping up, we're thinking about fruit. And tasting bad fruit is part of the story. Adam and Eve did it, and we share the mistake from birth. We're bound to do it. And sometimes uh, the only way you could see what the good fruit is is if you've had the bad fruit. Like Jesus is saying, like, you're going to have both, but take the good. Go for the good. And some people believe, well, I think I've had a bad that thing says it's a good tree, but I've had bad fruit from it. Well, Jesus says that's impossible. He says about that tree, he would say, I never knew them. That tree wasn't good. There's no such thing as a tree that, that, that makes bad fruit. But then again, right before this, I mean, he, 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 Jesus talks about not judging people. So that's not, that's not what the point of this is. I'm not trying to confuse you and like get you to stop, you know, or to start like judging things like, Jesus is just saying, focus on the fruit of the Spirit, which is me. And I've brought that to you. And in Galatians 5, he describes it, Paul describes it, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Like Guys, like this is the fruit that matters. Christ has called us to be exemplars of this fruit, And ultimately, one day, I assure you that that fruit of the Spirit is returning. And it's going to rain. And Jesus, he already beat death on the cross. But he's coming back for you. And he loves you. And he's jealous for you. And he's pining for you to come find him on the narrow path. So to wrap up, Jesus is asking us, live, live an examined life. Fight your default settings. And that can only be done by faith. And my grace to you, like your deeds, I'm not, I'm not deceived by your deeds. You have to look outside of yourself to discern character and everything we do has to be for him because worshiping him alone is the solution. And there you will find life. So take the narrow path and find some good trees. Uh, let's pray. Yes, uh, Father. You are faithful and kind to us. Um, Thank you for these illustrations that 
Jesus is giving us. Um, would you unveil uh, to us the narrow path? Am I on it? Uh, are we? Show us, Lord. Show me. Um, Lord, I pray that you would lead us to good trees and that your church would be a good tree. And for anyone who's frightened by this passage, Lord, would you comfort them and show them how much you love them and draw them to the narrow path. And I pray that one day we would all taste uh, your fruit in the kingdom. We love you. Amen.